Good morning. <laughs> I was thinking we've already had a pretty good sermon this morning. Don't you think? You know, I think we've heard the gospel this morning. I think we've heard the good news pretty, pretty thoroughly. And uh, so I think I have something to add to that, though. I think the Lord has something he'd like to, to say to us this morning. But I can really say to you this morning that, that I've got good news for you. This, this, is a, this is a gospel message. This is a good news kind of message. Um, I think that uh, I can say with confidence that you are going to be encouraged. You are going to be built up. You are going to know more about the Lord and the, the Lord's ways, his intentions for us, his plans for us. And, and I say that in confidence just because of the kind of God that we have, just because of our Heavenly Father, that he's with us, he loves us, he wants to reveal himself to us, he wants to draw us uh, to himself. So w- with that in mind, let's, let's start here, but let's, let's pray as we begin. Lord, we do thank you this morning. We rejoice over the gospel. Lord, the good news, Lord, of salvation, of forgiveness, of renewal in you, Lord, all that, that is life in you. We thank you for these. Lord, I ask you now that you would uh, give me grace, Lord, to deliver uh, your word uh, clearly. Help me to be articulate and, and clear. Uh, give us ears to hear. Lord, we want to hear not just ideas and thoughts, but really by your Holy Spirit. Lord, change us. Pray that you'd move in our hearts. Give us ears to hear and, and hearts to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So this uh, message has been scheduled uh, for quite a while. And uh, so, Kwame, if you want me to do something different, let me know. But anyway, um, it's been scheduled for quite a while. We just have to acknowledge the Lord and the timing of all this. Uh, in light of the uh, events of the world, in light of the uh, events in, in our own church, uh, it does seem like a good time to re-examine what the scriptures have to say about joy. And um, especially it's appropriate as we move into Thanksgiving, as we move into the Advent season. So a little bit of background. This, uh, this message, what I have to share with you this morning, really is the outcome of about six weeks of, of our house church talking about joy. So back in September, we started looking at this idea of joy, and we, we didn't know where that would take us, but we just started talking and sharing and bringing scriptures and this kind of thing. And we were, frankly, surprised just how rich and deep and, and what, a, um, what a thread of joy runs all through the scriptures and, and how it's really more central to our faith, uh, certainly than I had thought initially. And... Uh, so what are, really what I have to share is the ideas that came out of the group. I, we could have just had a panel discussion, everybody here, but that might have taken a while. So my job is to take six weeks, a uh, couple of months of discussions, and boil it down to like 30 minutes or so. That's, that's, that's my task this morning. So that's what I'm going to try to do. So if there's anything you hear and you think, man, that was profound. What, what wisdom, what insight... I can just tell you, it was not me. You know, that was, you know, that was Chris, or that was Bruce, or that was, you know, that was somebody else. You know, Steve, you know, it was Nancy or Ed or somebody, you know. But, um, so what I'm bringing is really right out of the life of our house church. So, by the way, consider this an invitation. If you're free on Thursday evenings and don't have a house church, uh, contact Steve Staub or, or myself. So, anyway, this is what we're going to do this morning. These are our topics. We're going to look at... Um, really five things, pretty quickly. First, we're going to look at what, what is joy? What is this thing we're talking about? Um, should we seek joy? Is this something we should really go after? Uh, where does joy come from? 
Uh, how should we respond to the scriptures? And you'll, that'll make more sense in a few minutes. And then finally, what does this tell us um, about, about the Lord, about his nature, about his character? So first of all, what, what is joy? And that's not a trick question. You know, it's, it's a real question. Um, and I guess I would say, first of all, that on one level, joy is just what you think it is. You know, I think we know it when we see it. You know, if I, if I say to you, oh, he is such a joyful person or, or she is so full of joy. I love to be around her because she is so full of joy. Then you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you can see it. You can go, yeah, you know what it means. Likewise, you know, if, if, I, were, if I came to Jim for some counsel and I said, Jim, man, I just need to talk to you. I, you know, I think I have joy in my life, but, you know, I'm just not sure. You know, help me. I just don't, I'm not sure if I have joy in my life. Well, that just sounds odd because we, we know it when we see it and we know it when we experience it. But really, when you start talking to people about it or getting into it, um, it, it gets kind of interesting. Um, here, here's a, a line from a devotional classic. And I don't want to give you the name, but just trust me, it's a devotional classic that you have read and you've heard of this author. And here's, here's one line from his, one of his discussions about joy. He says, the Bible nowhere speaks about a happy Christian. It talks plentifully of joy. Hmm. Okay. So I thought I knew, but wait a minute. Uh, a uh, best-selling contemporary Christian author. You, you would know this person. You, you know the name. Sold millions of books. Anyway, this is from a, uh, a devotional blog about joy, and this is what he concludes. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, the determined choice to praise God in every situation. He goes on to say, you'll find nothing in that definition about happy feelings because, as we all know, happiness is fleeting and temporary. So if joy is not happiness, then, then what is it? You know, I, I, I thought I knew what it was, but now I'm, I'm not so sure. So well, let's turn to the scriptures, shall we? Let's see how this word is used. And it shows up all over the... Hmm, okay. Old Testament and New Testament. In fact, if you look on the back of your bulletin, we're going to go through so many scriptures this morning. We just, we just put them here. And I uh, wanted you to see that this theme of joy runs all through the Bible. And we've just picked a few scriptures here, but I want to move rapidly through a lot of scriptures. And so uh, they're, they're here. Uh, hopefully it may be part of your devotion in these next weeks or something you maybe talk about uh, at home or even house church or whatever. So in the Old Testament, it shows up in lots of different places. Old Testament, Deuteronomy talks about joying, uh, joy at the feast. You shall rejoice in your feast, your son and your daughter and everybody else. In marriage, Proverbs, let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Isaiah 9, you've multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you. Joy as at the harvest. They're glad when they divide the spoils. So joy in the harvest, joy in military victory. Uh, Psalm 119, joy in the scriptures. I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as all riches. Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Joy in the Lord's presence. Psalm 16, 
You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There's fullness of joy. So, so this word joy shows up just all over the Old Testament. But, you know, it turns out it's the same word. It's the same idea, whether we're talking about marriage or a feast or another scripture I didn't pull up, a little wine, you know, all these things. And then coming into the presence of the Lord, it's, it's the same word. Uh, let's see if I can get New Testament. Luke 4, Luke 1.14, this is when the birth of John the Baptist is, is announced. And you will have joy, to Elizabeth, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Luke 2, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good, noise, new, good news of great joy that will be for all people. Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man, man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells everything. Romans 14, 17, about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy. And finally, as we know, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and, and goes on. So, so in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we see this, the same word gets used for all sorts of different circumstances. And here's the point. The scriptures do not make a distinction between happiness and joy. Hmm. Um, it's, it's the same thing. Now, wh- why, why is this important? I mean, wh- why is that a point that I, that I want to make? And it is this, that um, back to this devotional, you know, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control and the quiet confidence, the determined choice of praise. I guess I want to say to you that I understand the message, and I think you do too, you know, that the message here is that is um, that there is a depth and there is a foundational kind of reality and truth that we hang on to. But, but I think if we say that this is joy, then we miss the point. Um, joy is not the settled assurance. Settled assurance is a settled assurance, you know. Uh, joy is not the quiet confidence. Quiet confidence is, you know, that's confidence, you know. Uh, praising the Lord, that's just what it is. So m- my point is that I can be obedient, I can be at peace, I can be content, I can be confident, I can have all these things which are really good, but still not have joy. So I think if we, if we kind of fall back on this notion that, well, joy's not happiness, you know, joy is, is, is confidence. Well, confidence is really important. Well, joy is peace. Well, peace is really important, but you know, peace is not joy. And I think if we, if we just continue to look at it that way, and I'm speaking out of my own experience, then I really miss something that the Lord has for me. In addition to peace and contentment and obedience and confidence and all these things, those are wonderful. They may be necessary for joy. We'll see, and you can decide that yourself. But in addition to those things, there is joy. Does that make sense to you? Uh, hopefully, you're kind of with, with me on that. So there's this, there's this other thing. So this one author came up with what seems like a pretty good uh, answer, which is joy is an emotional pattern, an abiding sense of happiness. Okay, that's right. So why we'll stand here and not move around a lot. So, um, so what I like to say is uh, we'll, we'll come back to why these 
mature Christians say that joy is not happiness. There's a reason for that, and there's a way that people will look at happiness that, that I think is, is not helpful to us. But I just wanted to, to suggest to you, and this is one of the things that came out of our discussions, really kind of surprising to us, that, you know, joy, you know, it just, it really is happiness. It really is. You know, it's not some secret, religious, deep down, you know, you know it's, it's, it's just what you think it is, you know. Joyful people are happy people, you know. Um, and so, uh, now, one way that it is different, I think the idea, and this, this author, I think, says it pretty well, it's an abiding sense of happiness. Now, this in no way negates the reality that there are, there are true seasons of grief, there are true seasons of sorrow. You know, we're told in, in Romans 12 to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But at the same time, it's the idea of it's, it's an abiding. You know, th- this is the default. This is what we return to. We have episodes of grief or, or, or sorrow, but what we return to is this abiding sense of joy. So, okay, there it is. That's what it is. Well, what do we do about that? Are, you know, are we supposed to seek joy? And uh, I don't know if you've... I'm the ever one, only one who's ever thought about this kind of thing. Um, but, you know, doesn't that just seem kind of shallow, kind of self-serving? Um, doesn't that show, you know, if I'm seeking joy, doesn't that show a disregard uh, for or insensitivity to the suffering of those around us? I mean, just look at the world, look at all the troubles. How can I be pursuing joy? Isn't that just immature isn't that, yeah, that's that bubble of this new Christian thing, and you know, but you know, you get mature and you kind of settle in, you know. Isn't that something that we that we outgrow this this need and this desire and the reality of joy? All questions have certainly have occurred to me and occurred uh, came up in our group. Uh, I think the bottom line, maybe the question, maybe the overarching question should be, is God glorified in our joy? So let's look at some scriptures about this, and we'll just move right to the principles here. Scriptures that I think you're familiar with, you know, one of, you know, one we know the most, Nehemiah 8, uh, 10, second part of verse 10. You know, the people have just been read the law. You remember the context, they've gathered, they haven't had the scriptures, the, the law is read to them, the reality is read to them, and, um, and they just are just like, whoa, it's me, I, I can't do this, you know, we have just missed it. What can we do? And and the response is, don't be grieved, you know, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then in the New Testament, Hebrews 12, 2, remarkable scripture. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy who was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, this is... There are volumes just here in this one verse. But, but just to look at the joy, the idea here is Jesus, in anticipation of the church, in, in anticipation of you and me belonging to him, that, that, that vision, that promise, that knowledge of that was, would be the result of his actions, because of that joy set before him, he was willing to go through everything he went through. James 1, uh, chapter 1, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you, encount, when you meet trials of, of various kinds. Of course, there are two things going on there. One is um, bec- we should 
count it joy because we know good outcomes will come. But also I think part of it is, is go ahead and just, let me tell you, rejoice in this because it's going to help you get through this. So joy strengthens our ability to obey uh, and to persevere in hard times. Okay? Y'all are quiet out there. Is okay? Is this making sense? Give me some nods. Okay, thank you, thank you. Um, joy is part of our testimony. And I don't think I need to, to explain this. This is clear to us. You know this, and, and, and probably there are people in this room who came to the Lord because of the joy they saw in someone else's life. Uh, I love Psalm 126, first three verses. When the Lord restored the, the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. As someone just beautifully said in our, in our house church in, in one, of those, one of those times together, they said, well, joy is just not for yourself. It's for others. And is, I mean, isn't that true? I mean, I, you know, it's just so clear, you know. Don't you love to be around someone who is just joyful, someone who is optimistic, someone who is full of, of just, uh, you know, just, just the joy of the Lord. It builds us up. It encourages us. So, so the joy in your life and my life, it's not just for us. It's for those around us. And Bill just pointed this book, uh, pointed this out this book to me that I haven't had a chance to read yet, but... Uh, I read excerpts and, and reviews of it. I don't know if you can see that. The title is Joy for the World. And a uh, little bit, let me read you just a little uh, paragraph or two from the introduction. It says, so how is it that Christianity has so dramatically lost its impact on American civilization? And how can it begin the progress, the process of rebuilding that impact? It goes on to say, in this book, I'm going to propose some answers to those questions. I added emphasis here. The centerpiece of my answer is the joy of God. If Christianity is going to have a distinct impact, it needs to rely on what truly makes it distinct, the work of the Spirit in our minds, hearts, and lives. That's what makes Christians unique and gives us a unique opportunity to, to bless our unbelieving neighbors through the way we participate in the civilization we share with them. So joy to those around us, and then in a broader sense, even to the culture, to the world around us, the joy we experience and that we express is, is part of our testimony. And then one more thing, no, no small thing, um, John 15, 11, we'll come back to this verse, but Jesus says to his disciples, he says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. So, if we want to be like Jesus, then joy has to be part of our life. Um, Jesus is, of course, a wonderful example of how both joy and sorrow were mixed together in his experiences. We know uh, that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, but at the same time, there was a joy about him such that he could say to his disciples, my joy may be in you. So, um, we can say God is indeed glorified in our joy. So, okay, so here's what it is, and it looks like it's important from Scripture. looks like it's very important from Scripture. Well, where, where does it come from? And, you know, that's the big question. 
73,741. That's how many books on Amazon.com with happiness in the title, you know. It's a, it's a whole... It's a whole industry, you know, it's a publishing industry, it's an empire, you know, five, the five secrets to happiness and three things that happy people do and, you know, that, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge question, where, where does joy come from? And, uh, of course, we're going to look to the scriptures to see where joy comes from because it's been laid out pretty clearly for us. We had an interesting topic on this, and I, I would invite you, uh, even as I'm talking and, and maybe as you consider this later, to just stop and think, you know, what, what brings you joy? We just kind of posed this in the group, and, you know, a lot of things that you might expect, you know, immediately, uh, friends, family, being with people you love, um, uh, being in nature, these kinds of things. Uh, then, then we started talking about, you know, what, what, when have you experienced joy? One person said, you know, when, when, you, when you're talking to someone and you, you, you're, you're just saying the right thing to them, and, you know, you, you said something and you just see that was the right thing to say. You just see them lifted. You see them relieved. You know that your word, your words uh, lifted them. That, that brings joy. One person said, you know, it's when you're, having a, when you're having a quiet time and it's just routine. You're just doing your quiet time thing and uh, you're, you, it's just your normal thing and then suddenly it's not. Suddenly the Lord just shows up and, and the nearness of God just brings a, a joy that's, that's remarkable. Uh, other people said, well, you know, sometimes he just drops joy on you. When, when do you experience joy? So we, we kind of look at all these things. It was when you see God at work in your life. One person said, it's when you look back at a whole set of circumstances. And you can look back at that and you say, you know, God did that. God was in that and God did that. You know, joy comes into our lives. So many things like that. Um, scripture makes it clear. There's so much here. We're just kind of skimming the surface. But one thing that is clear from Scripture is that salvation brings joy. We've experienced that ourselves in our own lives, but wonderful uh, verse from Isaiah 12, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Don't you, don't you love that? I mean, what a great picture of, of life and refreshing. And With joy you draw water from the wells of salvation. Psalm 51 is about repentance, but... Notice what he says. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. It's just, it's, just, it's just obvious that when I'm experiencing your salvation, there's joy. That's just, there's no question. Just restore to me the joy of your salvation. Of your salvation. When, when I'm aware of your salvation, when I experience your salvation, joy just happens. The, the, the two go together. Back to John 15. Um, verse 11, um, this is such a remarkable passage. You know, this is when Jesus is talking to his disciples. I think Judas is left by this point. So here he is talking to his friends. So Jesus is talking to his friends, and he's saying, um, these are the things I want you to know. This is, this is my last word to you for now. And uh, in the way that we're relating now, this is what I want to convey to you as my friends. And you're going along through all John 14, John 15, and you come to John 15, 11. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. 
So again, this is no small thing. It's not a, a minor or a kind of a tangential theme in our, in our walk with the Lord if Jesus says this, even at this point in his ministry. And then as, as was pointed out, you see these things. Oh, well, what was that? What, what were these things? Well, we could probably go all the way back through John 14, but if we just go back even a few verses, we come to these familiar passages where he says, Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it's he who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Then he goes on to say, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And he goes on, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So even if we just go back a few verses, we see Jesus says, I'm about to, you know, if we kind of turn it around, I'm about to tell you some things, and I'm, I'm going to tell you these things because I have joy. My joy, Jesus says. So Jesus is saying, I have joy. I have lived a life of joy. And I'm going to tell you these things so that the joy that I've experienced can be in you. And you can experience this joy that I've experienced. And this is how it happens. I'm telling you these things. I'm telling you, abide in me. Be dependent on me. In the same way I'm dependent on the Father and elsewhere he said, I don't see anything, I don't do anything except what I see the Father doing. In the same way that I've been dependent on the Father, you you abide in me, you be dependent on me. That brings joy. Um, as the Father has loved me, I've loved you, and as I've experienced the Father's love and abided in his love, and that has brought me joy, I'm saying to you, abide in my love, and that will bring you joy. And he goes on to say, um, if you keep my commandments, I've, I've kept my Father's commandments, and I have lived in joy. Abide in my, uh, follow my commandments, and you will have joy as well. So joy comes from dependence on God, knowing his love, following his commandments comes from faith. Another great verse. It's just amazing. Think about this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Um, you know, he says to them, he's not saying, you you ought to rejoice. You ought to have joy that's inexpressible. You know, you, you're something like, you know, he's, just tell, he's just reminding them, you know, the way he says this, he's just reminding us, them of, of the reality. He's saying, you know, you know how y'all, y'all know how this goes. You, you know how it is, you know. Just think, you know, you, 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 even though you haven't seen him, you love him, you don't see him now, but you believe in him, and you just have this joy, don't you? You know, and it's just, it, it's like that. So clearly faith and joy are, are tied up together. And then finally, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians says, You became imitators of us and the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And then Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the joy that we have is just plain supernatural. You know, it's just supernatural. There is a joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. And 
It just is. You know, we, we talk about it. You know, we, we often say a, there's a peace that passes understanding. We pray that and we, we're aware of that. But, you know, there's a joy that surpasses understanding. There is a supernatural joy that's the outwork of the Holy Spirit that you just can't explain, that you can't rationalize, that you can't, uh, you know, work into some system of, of cause and effect. The Lord just does this. And, and occasionally he just does it. He just flat. He just flat does it. You know, has that ever happened to you? If you've been doing something and just you just, I don't know what kind of metaphors we use. You know, the Lord poured out joy or just you were in a meeting or you were alone. And there was just this sense of the presence and goodness and joy of the Lord. You know, so many of us have had this kind of experience. But also, I would say that just just allowing the Lord to express himself, just yielding to the Holy Spirit in the mundane kinds of things, that just seems to yield joy in us. So, sources of joy come to us. Let me just point out a couple things that are missing here, by the way, in this list. Uh, Feeling good about yourself, having plenty of stuff, uh, being carefree, lack of hardship, freedom from problems, you know, those, those kinds of things are conspicuously absent, you know, from the scriptures in terms of the sources of joy and, and these kind of things. So, you know, and, and, and I think this is what, as we read, you know, and we talk with each other and say, well, joy is not happiness, you know. I think we're trying to get at this kind of thing. We understand that what we experience has a different source. Our happiness, it's not external, but joy wells up from the laying hold of salvation, from dependence, from abiding in Christ, from knowing his love, from being obedient and yielding to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Okay, all right, thank you. A couple more scriptures for you here. Let me just read these to you. See if you see the pattern pattern here Um, from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households and all that you undertake. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. New Testament, finally, brothers, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And then finally, rejoice always. And the scriptures are all listed in the back of your book. Notice a pattern, pattern here, you know. Um, we are commanded to be joyful. And I just have to, you know, my first response is, okay, that's in Scripture, but how, how does that work? You know, how, how, how is that going to happen? You know, how do I, how does God command this kind of a thing? And so that, as you can imagine, that was a great discussion, you know, in, in house church. And, and uh, um, I'm trying to, trying to convey to you what, what came out. Um, first of all, I think we have to acknowledge that if God said do it, then it must be possible. You know, he doesn't say, oh, Hallett, listen, I want you to grow another two inches. You know, I'd like you to, you know, or whatever. You know, things like that. I want you to just, you know, play like Andre Segovia on guitars. I mean, he just, he's not telling me to do things I can't do. So if God tells us to do something, it must be that it's possible to do it. It must be that it is possible somehow uh, there must be an element of choice involved in this in this issue and you know I don't understand this uh, really and uh, 
is something certainly to, to be explored in the scriptures and in, and in fellowship with one another. But there are a couple of clues that I think are just interesting verses in Proverbs. Let me just show these to you. Proverbs 16.32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So that's, that's about anger, but, but if we kind of, if there's a principle here about emotions... He's, there's this notion of ruling your spirit. Hmm. This notion that you may not have to be subject to this anger that flares up. You may, you know, on the other hand, may, you may not necessarily be subject to these moods and the way you feel about things. And it goes on, uh, Proverbs 25, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So it looks like we, are, we don't have to be at the mercy of our emotions and our moods. But, but we can rise above them. Um, now, it's not easy. You notice this proverb, you know, better than the one who, who takes a city. So he's comparing self-control with like, you know, a military siege and victory and all this kind of thing. So it's not like this is an easy thing. Oh, you know, you can do this, you know. But, but it, it just must be that it's, that it's possible, okay? And then we're going we're gonna to talk about, about that. Um, And, you know, this is uh, really the, the heart of this message, what I have to say to you this morning. Maybe the most important thing this morning that I have to say is what is my response to this call to joy? Um, how, how, how do I respond to that? You know, I see it in the scriptures. Um, you know, it's clear. It's clear that it's important. It's clear that it's something that God has for me. I can't just kind of explain it away. I can't say, well, I've got peace, I've got confidence, I've got these things, you know, and the Lord says that's good, but, you know, there's also joy for you. Um, it's part of my testimony. It strengthens me to obey. So, so how do I respond to these kind of things? And, 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 and there, there are two ways we can respond. And the first way, I'll tell you, I'll tell you up front, this is the wrong way, and that's to fake it. And uh, I... I don't know if this resonates with you, but haven't I done this? Haven't I tried to fake it? You know, when I, I just, I, I, I know I'm supposed to be joyful. It's one of these things Christians are supposed to do. You know, it's all through the Bible, and everybody's all praise God. You know, and you know, and so what? What we do sometimes is we just fake it. Okay, I'm going to show up in church, or I'm going to meet this person, or whatever. And I'm just going to paste this smile on my face. I'm just going to adopt this cheerful, hearty. You know kind of manner and that sort of thing, you know. And I just want to say to you that that's just not very helpful. And it's more than a little bit annoying, too, you know. <laughs> it just gets old, you know. When you see people, you just, just know, just, that's, don't, don't do that. You know, it's just, that's just fake, you know. Just let me see the real you. Okay, you know, just, just, just be real, you know. So, so what we don't want to do, the, 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 the right response is not just to fake it and just to adopt this kind of, Facade. I mean, it, it's hypocrisy is what it is, you know, pretending that everything's okay, pretending that I've got the joy of the Lord, you know, and, and I, just, I just don't, you know. So, so if, if faking it is not okay, then what do you do? And a couple of things I think we could do, and, you know, the scriptures, once again, give us, give us guidance here. And the first thing is simply to be honest. And I have to be honest with myself. I have to say to myself, okay, am I just in a rut you know, 
have I just, is this just routine? Is this, has this thing just gotten routine for me? Are my emotions dulled? Am I just kind of settled into this? And, you know, and, and, you know, I'm pretty good at obedience. You know, I'm pretty good at faithfulness. You know, I'm just not very good at joy. You know, I'm pretty good at peace. I'm pretty good at confidence, you know, and this kind of stuff. Um, but I'm just really joy, not, not, not so much, you know. So the first step for me certainly is just to be honest. Where, where am I? As I hold a mirror, as the, as the scriptures are a mirror to me to help me see myself, I have to say, well, where, where am I in, in joy? And so what do we do? So if faking it is not okay, and if we can't, by sheer force of will, generate joy, then, then what do you do? Well, what we do is we adopt those attitudes, we embrace those truths, we turn our hearts toward those things that we know will bring us to joy. We have grateful hearts. We get an attitude of gratefulness, not entitlement, not smallness, but of gratitude. And especially, of course, in these days, what a wonderful opportunity. So as we're grateful for what comes to us from others, uh, from the Lord's hand, as we're, as we're grateful, then that turns us toward joy. As we turn toward um, dependence in Christ, abiding in him, obedience to him, um, we are turning toward joy. As one person said, when I turn to the cross, when, when, I, when I turn to, and it sounds almost counterintuitive counter that this would bring you joy, but he says, when I turn to the cross, suddenly all the, all the stuff that has weighed me down just kind of falls into perspective. So I turn to the cross, and, and, and that brings me joy. Uh, yielding to the Holy Spirit, just letting the Lord have his way, letting him express himself uh, through me and uh, experiencing these things. So, so when we do those things, then we can, we're choosing not to fake it, but to rise above our circumstances our moods and experience and express his joy. Amen. One more thing. Who is like our God? This was just, uh, again, a comment in our group. What, what God is like ours? That he should care for us? That he should be concerned for our joy? You know? Um, scripture says, you know, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy the Lord has so created us, and his character is such that when we come into his presence, well, you know, maybe there's some fear. That's not a bad thing, you know. But what is being in the Lord's presence is characterized by joy. What, what a God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Who would be concerned not just for our survival, but, but for our joy. And if you, I, I won't go to it now, but as you look at the scriptures here at the end, it's also the joy the Lord has over us. You know, in, in, uh, in Luke 15, it's the parable of uh, the, the, the shepherd who's lost one sheep, and he finds it. And the lady, who, the woman who's lost one coin, she finds it. And she says, rejoice with me. And this is where it says that the angels, and there's more rejoicing in heaven over a sinner who repents. So who is like our God, who's concerned for our joy? So in summary, this is what we've done these last minutes together. We've looked at joy. Again, we're just touching the surface. I hope this will kind of spur your own thoughts and discussions 
a study of this. Joy is not something different from happiness, but it's an emotional pattern. It's an abiding sense of happiness. Second, our joy glorifies God, strengthens us to do the right thing. It is our testimony to the world, to individuals around us, to our culture. Number three, our joy does not come from external circumstances, but from our salvation, from dependence on God, from love, faith, and the work of the Holy Spirit. Number four, how do we respond to this command for joy and the exhortation to joy? Well, we don't fake it. Faking is just, that's, that's not good for anybody. So what, instead, we're honest. And we, do the, we do the things that we know will lead us into joy. And then finally, we have a Heavenly Father who cares about our joy and shows us and leads us to the true sources of joy in Him. Amen? Let's, let's pray. Lord, we, we magnify You. We, um, Lord, we really do marvel. Lord, what kind of God we serve. Lord, that You would be concerned for our joy that more than just living and more than just obedience and more than just uh, these things, that you have joy for your people. You've made a way for us to live in joy and to, to experience your joy. And, Lord, I just have to acknowledge that so often I have settled for less than what you've got for me, what you have for me. So, Lord, for your glory, I want to yield myself to you, Lord. And as your people, we want to yield to you. We want to yield to your spirit. We want to hearken to your word, Lord. We want to turn our hearts toward those things, toward you, toward dependence, and all these things, Lord, that bring joy, that the world would see, Lord, your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.